Welcome to Improve with Stephanie, a thought-provoking podcast about business improvement strategy, leadership, and innovative technology. Improve with Stephanie will interview CEOs, CFOs, thought leaders, and innovators. Stephanie, CEO of Nelson Legacy Enterprises International, is our host. She is crazy passionate about business and the evolution of people. Thank you for joining. Now let's listen in. And now, this week's sponsor. Nelson Legacy Enterprises International is a technology consulting firm in the United States and West Africa, Nigeria. With more than 20 years of experience in service quality system design, analysis, innovation, and implementation, their strategy is to help your organization efficiently innovate and scale service quality in your business. Nelson Legacy International helps your company reduce production costs to generate more sales and revenue. To get started building better service quality systems, please visit their website at www.nelsonlegacyenterprises.com. The Improvement Award highlights local, regional, national, or international organizations that are excellently innovative, improving the lives of people and communities. If you are interested in receiving the Improvement Highlight Award on the Improve with Stephanie podcast, please email info at NelsonLegacyEnterprises.com. The Improvement Highlight Award goes to the Nelson Foundation. The Nelson Foundation, founded by Alexis Nelson and named after her father, originated in 2006. The purpose and mission of the Nelson Foundation is to equip first-time investors to build wealth and achieve economic mobility through small business partnerships. To learn more, please visit www rootedinllc.org. Let's welcome today's guest. David Weibel, CEO of Plan Grind Deliver, is a fanatical business strategist and best-selling author. Dave believes that business strategies and tactics should be simple to understand and follow. During his career in several senior management positions, he has seen hundreds of top performing organizations that struggle with their internal communication strategy and implementation. That's why he wrote Inspire Action, to share proven methods with from 30 plus years of experience that inspire results. And now he is providing this proven process in a program called Plan, Grind, Deliver. So I just want to say thank you so much for joining my podcast today, David. Thank you so much. I have thoroughly got um, enjoyed chatting with you prior to record. I agree. Thank you for having me. I um I ask every podcast guest the same question when we get started, and that is, what lights your fire? Wow, um, you know I, I think what what I figured it lights my fire is uh, I, I like to build things, right? I, I you know whether it is um, you know I'm I, I love uh, trail running and endurance events, or it's uh, um, starting businesses or operating businesses it's it's that that build phase that i love it seems like when it gets into the rinse and repeat phase is when i'm starting to check out so uh, that, that's that's what lights my fire that's what gets me up in the morning 
So um, let's talk about the build phase. How many build phases have you done over the course of your career, I would say, or your lifetime, I would say, right? So what have you built? Let's talk about that. Yeah, absolutely. But probably about a half, uh, a half a dozen companies. Um, you know, I always laugh because you know, if anyone is outside of Pittsburgh, they all think we're we're from you know the Rust Belt and we have a background in manufacturing and you know all we know is steel. And um, for me, that's true. <laughs> so for the first thirteen years, I was in heavy industrial manufacturing. I loved the business. Um, I started a trucking company during that same period. And um, it was it was a great education for me. It really taught me the ins and outs of how to run a business or efficiently and effectively, and how if you don't do that, it can get you in trouble because of uh, all the capital outlay that manufacturing businesses require for you to do it properly. And um, and so that that was a good 13 years of my life, both from heavy industrial manufacturing to to trucking, and then um, right as the as we got into the 2000s, um, I found myself, like many people, getting romanced by uh, the internet. And so I, I uh, joined a startup that was in private labeled e-commerce. And I did that for a couple of years. We ended up uh, successfully selling that off to a, a big television commerce company. And then I got into international e-commerce um, with some some really, really fun and innovative folks from the West Coast, and they kind of taught me how to think a lot bigger. And um, that led me to uh, starting Industry Weapon, and um, that was just an incredible journey for about 14 years, um, starting in the beginning of, of broadcast digital media communication with video walls and kiosks and finding our way all the way to interactivity and it's been just an amazing journey, but bumping into a lot of really fun people and you kind of like you you alluded to with your your couple of decades under your belt where you have some really, really high highs and then you have some really interesting lows that test you. And I, I think it's kind of funny, though, when you when you come out of those lows, you realize those are the character building pieces that uh, give you the strength to just continue to to build and, and move on and. I'm really grateful to have a lot of those lows. I, I don't want to repeat them if I can avoid it, but uh, I have a feeling I'll probably see a few more in my years. Well, I would definitely say I agree, right? Those lows <laughs> are things that you don't want to repeat. Um, I think what I think I'm most compelled to in your background is what a transition, right? From manufacturing, trucking, which by the way, I'm actually, um, in my in my paradigm my personal paradigm for business i'm shifting in how i think about services right i'm shifting thinking about um actually performing a service for another um how do i say that that makes sense uh i guess i should say wrapping a service in a skill like a tangible skill not just thinkers um strategy is great you need strategy i think it's important but I think people who wrap their services around a specific skill, like trucking, I have to take your product from point A to point B, back to point A, or drop it off at point Z, whatever, right? I just, there's something super attractive to that, about that to me in this time. I don't know why. I think because of maybe the failed supply chains, um, over you know over the world at this point because of uh covid and how we did not have the nimbleness to pivot it was weird 
I was like, you know, very weird. So anyway, we can get into that at, at another time. But I just thought that I would say that because I'm like, yeah, that's really, it's starting to become super attractive to me, especially, you know, being in service quality. You're like, you know, constantly looking at what are the services that people can kind of transform in their business to give them access to other opportunities, whether it be more clients, whether it be, you know, another revenue stream, whatever it is, right? So long story short, <laughs> or long comment short, is that I think it's really cool to have had that background and what a stark difference to go into like media, if you will, and technology. Um, so how was that transition for you? I mean, and how did that opportunity even bubble up? Well, you know, it, as as a lot of opportunities bubble up, it's it's all uh, around the people you know, and and not shutting the doors of opportunity, even when they look really, really bizarre. So, you know, for me, with getting into digital signage, um, I always joke uh, in my book that I wrote, Inspire Action, I I, I put a, a reference to this. It it all started with a dog bite, right? So my daughter was very, very young. And uh, we took in a dog that that uh, needed a home for a short period of time. And uh, unfortunately, that dog had a, a food aggression and bitter and, and uh, you know, stitches in the hospital and all that wonderful stuff. Well, it actually led to us having to find a new home for the for the dog. And so in a car for about five hours with uh, with a, uh, another gentleman, we started talking and uh, it turned out that he worked for a company that just bought a digital signage hardware company, but they couldn't get it to resonate with non-technical people. And it just so happened, uh, Industry Weapon, that was our, our forte. We, we really helped make really simple applications around complex technologies focused towards the non-technical people, you know, making it easier for them to take their ideas and, and push it to the screen. And so it was having that really, really odd activity of placing a dog that led to a conversation with someone who opened the door. And uh, I used to joke and say, I, you know, I didn't know what digital signage was. I didn't even know this partner was, uh, you know, I didn't know them from, you know, companies that distributed frozen food. Like I, I had no idea that this technology uh, type of business even existed. And, you know, we just innocently got involved in it. And to your point, we focused on on a service. We focused on what their customers were lacking in the hardware or the offering that they were providing. And we built the software platform based on their needs, and which made it very easy to, you know, every new conversation from their customer base just led into every feature we built because we built it from customers prior that told us all the things that they needed, you know? So um, it was, it was a really, really fun and exciting business. We got uh, we got to be very, um, very good at working in a variety of different industries. So about 15 different industries from heavy industrial manufacturing from my background, all the way to big box retailers in, uh, in, in about 50 to 60 countries. So it, it was a blast. It was a really good time. That sounds amazing. Yes. <laughs> sounds like you had a really good time. It was um, a blast. And I, if we had more time, we definitely could dig into that because we just did, I just did a podcast with Lindsay Quinter who talked about um, human-centered design, and we were just talking about we were going back and forth between how it's so imperative to not just build technology 
because it's the cool thing to do, but to really build it based on user specs, right? To really build it on the customer's expectations so that you can um, actually sell it. Because when you build it for just technology's sake, people don't want it because it's probably too complicated, right? They don't know how to, thank you for this. We just had a serious <laughs> situation just a bit ago uh, with technology that's been built not based on simple user needs right um so i guess for me where i'm at my next question or follow-up question is what would you say to people who are i know for me who've been in business for 20 years but have not been able to kind of build and sell what do you say i think so let me preface that by saying selling it in mind necessarily people don't always do that but you're I'm, right Going to be quiet. <laughs> well, I, I, you know, I think some people definitely have have uh, aspirations to build a lifestyle business that they, you know, they want to hand down to to their children or or to whoever. And, and I think that's great. I think that's amazing. And and there's a there's a you know a whole host of really great things that come from doing something like that. Um, for us, we you know we we always had a, a, an idea that we we wanted to create something that was going to be valuable uh, to the point where it would reach a level that most likely our skill set couldn't take it to that to that next level and um, it took took me a little longer than I thought it would take me to get to that uh, that point but um, you know I would say the people who are, are looking to do that to, to create a, a company that someone else wants to take on to the next level there's there's really a, a, a couple of core things that you need to do right out of the gate. And, and the first is a, is a term I, I've coined called VCR, which is what, is what is the one revenue stream in your business that creates the most value? So the value creation revenue. And I think once you understand what that particular revenue stream is, it really helps you build a strategy and solutions to help drive value. I'll give you an example. So the company I just sold um, industry weapon, its its VCR uh, for us was the monthly reoccurring revenue, the the subscription revenue, and the stickiness with the existing customers. And so once we understood that, all the other things that were bringing revenue to the business wasn't very important to us because we knew that the multiple on that other revenue wasn't anywhere near what the multiple would be on the thing that made us the most valuable. It also helped us put things together like our revenue recognition policy so that when we did get an acquirer, we could intelligently talk to how our revenue was actually realized in the business and it was written by auditors and followed gap procedures. And so I, I think it starts there. You gotta really understand what is it, to your point earlier, what is the service you're providing? What is that revenue stream look like? And what is the multiple that a potential acquirer is gonna pay for it? And, and then things start to fall in place from there, um, you know, that 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 makes you do the things that, you know, most likely you need to do. And, and so I, I think that's the first stage. I think you I mean, gosh, that VCR is very compelling, right, to be able to put it in those that term for people to clearly understand it because you know we talk a lot about value proposition and and sometimes it's really complex right for the business owner or the entrepreneur who's just like show me the system so that i can figure out where i fit right and then um scale from there um but i these days i just think i i know for me i've been forced to think outside 
of the box. Um, and so one of the things that um, is really, really important for my particular industry is that you're never going to get people to say that they're tired of looking for customers, right? <laughs> they're never going to say that. Right. <laughs> but they're always going to say, I think we do what we do well enough. So we don't need any additional help. Um, and so my job has been to educate people about how, do you really know what well enough is? Like, have you really considered your value? What is it? VCR, tell me value. Creation revenue. Creation revenue. Have you really evaluated that? Do you know the answers to what makes you good enough? <laughs> right. Um, and so those are the things that I've been challenged with, but it's been exciting because it's made me unlock other um, pieces of service quality to people that they didn't even think of. Um, Cause some, sometimes it's just, you're narrowly thinking about your target and there's probably another emerging market that's coming your way that you haven't thought about because you've just been so focused on the one. So what do you say to the person who um, doesn't really think the VCR is that important? Um, because they're comfortable where they are. I mean, how do you challenge their thinking in that way? You know, I, I don't. I mean, I, I think that with with the with the people who uh, who are happy where they're at and they're comfortable with the status quo, um, I applaud them. You know, it doesn't mean doesn't make that a, a a wrong place to be. It's it's just not something that I probably share with their way of thinking. I totally love that answer. Do you understand how much that's what I, I literally stop wasting my time? Right. Yes. It's like yeah. you're comfortable, then be comfortable. Okay. Right. Like I totally respect that, but there are a group of people who say that out of insecurity and fear, not necessarily because that's really what they mean, right? Or they're afraid that my price tag is going to shock them. You know what I mean? Or something like that. Where in some cases it is, it at the price is the price, right? But at the end of the day, like, eh, you know, like some of them aren't all that, but I agree with you. The people who say to me that they're comfortable, then I just go for it. I just say, hey, okay, great. That's fantastic. Thank you. Yeah, without a doubt. Well, and, and it, it, again, it isn't a bad place to be. It's just, they don't share it. I, I think the first step that we all need, especially with customers or even partnerships, is that we're all on the same reality plane. Right, because if I'm not on the same reality plane as you, most likely we're not going to get along real well, and and it's it's just not going to work out. But if we are, and and there is a need, you know, there's there's some really simple fun exercises I know that I've gone through that has shocked me. One of them is, you know, we all think we know who our ideal customer is, but if you've got employees, you know, you you take some time and and write down five bullet points uh, describing your ideal customer and then then your PETA customer, right? Your pain in the ass customer. And see how closely you line up with your employees or your partnerships. And, and it's amazing how, number one, that usually takes a heck of a lot longer than people think it takes for them to define who their ideal customer is uh, or, their, or their PETA customer. And it, they also 
realize very quickly that they're not in alignment with their their uh, their partners or their employees. And I think you know that's another really really key area is to to recognize that creating clarity in your organization has got to be got to be mission critical um, focused. And it needs to be at a frequency that's probably a heck of a lot more alarming than what they expect. Because I don't know about you, but it seems like every organization that I bump into, they do annual employee reviews. Annual employee reviews. I mean, you you wait 12 months to see if you're in alignment with your employee. I, I can already give you the answer. I used to joke and say, I don't need a report to say I suck, right? Like that, that is setting yourself up for, for that type of report. Oh, you, my sentiments, right? So, because I think that people have to live in constant evaluation and feedback, but people who can't are not your employees. They're not the people that you need to be working with. You right. know what I mean? People, because I'm extremely introspective, right? Constantly thinking like, oh, I probably could have did that a little differently, said that a little differently, and probably didn't land well. You know what I mean? Like, so for, because I am that way, I tend to um, always be very self-aware, right? But if you're not willing to do that kind of work in the atmosphere that... I have created the culture and environment that I've created. Um, it, it it won't work for you if you're just a person who just wants to hear once a year that you suck. Yeah, we're not gonna. It's not gonna work. <laughs> you're you're gonna hate working at mine. <laughs> you know what I mean? Really hate it because we're constantly coming back to the table, um, and we kind of deploy that agile feel across everything. Right. Because people think agile is really just for technology. And I challenge that every day. I challenge people about that because it's like it's really not just um, about the technology. It literally can be applied to every portion of your business and company. If you tell me that you're an agile company, I'm going to challenge you and ask you, how do you know you're an agile company? Is it just for technology sake or is it because you apply it to employee relations, you apply it to operations and sales? How do you know you're yeah. an agile company? Um, so my point is evaluation, constant evaluation um, brings about self-awareness. And if you're not willing to be self-aware, we're not a match. Yeah. Well, and it's funny because I think at times people think that you know, I, I think we've been we've been um, had pounded through our head over over the years that an employee evaluation needs to be this painful five page document that's going to ask a whole bunch of stuff that has no meaning, right? And just waste my time. But what I found is um, I developed a program called MAP, and, and and MAP is really really simple. It's just mindset, ability, and performance. That's it. Like on a scale from zero to nine, how well. Do you rank yourself on those three metrics and how, how does your boss, right? And then all we do is we we compare those those numbers and see where you and I are off, right? So if I'm working for you and I give myself a, a, an ability of a six and you say it's a four, we've got something to talk about, right? And then if we do it correctly, you know, we build an impact plan for the next time we talk that addresses or you you work to help me get to a better place in, in regards to that rating. But it doesn't have to be laborious, right? I, I can do an impact plan 
very quickly, I can do a map inside of 30 seconds. And, and the information that you're going to get from that is significant in regards to seeing whether or not you're in alignment with your boss or your employees. So you focused a lot on, or you talked a lot just now, a lot about how important it is to build the team, right? And how important it is to um, bring people together that have one of my favorite words, right? Alignment. Because if you have alignment in your business, you, to me, that is the, aside from the business results, <laughs> you need revenue, right? But I mean, at the end of the day, if you have alignment, that's a powerful thing. Even if you have no money, you will. Yes. You will. <laughs> Everybody moving at the same place, moving towards the same thing, you're going to make killer money, you know? Now, depending on your strategy, it may not last, but it could be <laughs> great for a while, right? But, you know, just that that team culture, what, what made you shift? Because I know sometimes when you're like a, you know, a, an entrepreneur, an owner, sometimes you're not really... You, you hire somebody else to do the team stuff, right? So what made you focus in on the team culture piece? Well, you know, number one, I'm, I'm somewhat of a glorified cheerleader, right? So uh, and no matter what business I was in, I, I, I really liked working with, with people. Um, I, I tend to hold on to people too long, too. You know, I, I've gotten murdered on Glassdoor and businesses that I've run just because I've, I've held on to the wrong people or... Yeah, you, you just get people that are, are demanding of you more than what you could potentially even provide to them, regardless of how much you provide. And so I learned very, very quickly that it, getting that alignment um, needed to be in such a way that was that was measured from, a let's say, you know, you're, you're making the grades. I'm just kind of uh, writing them down in your report card. And so it was really, really important that I figured out how to get that clarity because I, I really believe it as much as sometimes you get some bad apples in your organization no one wakes up in the morning and says hey i want to be a real jerk i i want to be the i want to be the anchor that drags this business down now granted there's probably a few people in the world that are like that and they move around a bit but other than that most people aren't that way and so there's there's really fundamentally two things i believe that's broken when that happens one is they don't have clarity on what they need to do and then they don't know how they fit into the organization. If you solve those two things, um, then you'll, for the most part, have an organization that's moving up and to the right. And the, I think the thing that I've always been amazed with is that people don't realize failure is, the, is an ingredient towards success and that every process in their organization needs to be a living process, not something that we cast in concrete and say we're never changing. It needs to be looked at weekly and those assessments with the employees need to be done monthly at a minimum in order to, to your point, and eventually get the performance numbers. So you know, the way I see it, process is reviewed weekly, people are reviewed monthly, and your performance numbers should be looked at quarterly. That doesn't mean that you're not gonna come out with monthly statements, but I think a lot of people put too much focus on their P&L and balance sheet, and they don't fix everything up above that, and then they wonder why their numbers aren't where they need to be. I mean, that was really powerful in the sense that I love that process, people and performance, the three P's, right? Which yeah. is basically any company, right? Any business, you can ascribe that to any company, any industry, people, I mean, process, people and performance. Um, and that weekly review of process, as people get, um, as their companies grow and they get bigger, 
they let their processes go. Yeah. And they just focus on performance, right? They just want to see the numbers. How do you avoid that even as you're a growing company? Well, I, I think, you know, the nice thing about what I find with most companies, and, and actually when they get bigger, it seems like, you know, they're, they're never, um, they never reduce the number of meetings they have. And, um, but the, the significance of the meeting goes away. And so, you know, it's no different than, you know, the people that you follow on social. And, and the reason you follow the people that you follow on, on the different social networks that you, you, you've joined is that there's a fixed agenda that that person is going to actually produce from a content standpoint that you tune into. Either they think like you or they're doing something that you want to be like or whatever the case may be, there's some sort of affinity. And I think every meeting needs to be set up very similarly with this fixed agenda. And what better thing to have on a weekly fixed agenda than we're going to review our processes and so that you can perform like an adult and I don't have to micromanage you as as your manager, we're going to review all of our processes and we all believe that together we can build a better process. So anytime that you run into a snafu where the process didn't help you make a decision on your own, let's earmark it and have a conversation about it every week, right? Now all of a sudden the meetings have real meaning and everybody gets value. The manager gets time back because they're not getting uh, bothered by employees. The employees are performing well beyond where they need to perform because they're treated like the adults that they are and given the freedom to to execute. And so I think that's if you can if you can explain that to any organization, um, processes will continue to improve because you've implemented a fixed agenda weekly that helps everybody win. I mean, great answer to me. Um, I think I appreciate that response primarily because I think um, that justifies the importance of having that process review piece and where it takes the company to what the actual value of that evaluation is. Um, and so often um, they, there's there's the minute they feel like it has diminished value over time. Whereas I challenge that thought by saying, to me, it has increased value over time. If you are constantly evaluating those um, processes, you are giving your employees and your customers, but it, first your employees, because I feel like they are your internal customers. And if you're not um, serving them well, your external customers will not be happy either. You know what I mean? So uh, yeah. I just feel like that's an important thing to, to consider. So let's talk a little bit about people who have influenced you along the journey. Yeah. Who would you say have been your main influencers? Well, you know, I, I, you probably ask a, a bunch of people this. I'm sure they they give you the uh, the standard answer, but my my standard answer may be the same. But it it it's got some teeth to it. Is you know, my parents were were a huge influence in my life. Um, you know, the the first 13 years in that heavy industrial manufacturing company was spent with my father and uh, and really teaching me you know how to do do my homework before every meeting, um, get on the shop floor, and and you know whether it's uh, tear down a machine and rebuild it or actually run it. And so, you know, my 
my really good habits came from from that over a decade of of just grinding and doing things that I didn't quite understand uh, had, were, were going to have the impact that they had in, uh, on me over time. Um, and so, you know, and, and same thing, my mom was probably a lot more patient than my father was. So uh, I, I got to blend kind of the the customer service or customer approach to a, a fanatical detail oriented uh, uh, father who, who it, it just, they were incredible. And then from there, um, you know, with Industry Weapon, I bumped into to two folks in Pittsburgh that absolutely were, were tremendous outside of my partners who helped keep me sane over 14 years and supported me even with some of the crazy ideas. But the two investors were, were Mike Green and Eric Cooper who uh, you know together were were working in a company called Four Systems uh, back in the '90s, but just tremendous, tremendous people. And I always say that there is no way I would have ever been able to execute the success that we got out of Industry Weapon if it wasn't for those guys building a safety net under my, myself and my management team. Um, just unbelievable people. Uh, and so. Uh, you know, those four people, mom, dad, and, and Eric and, and Mike, uh, you know, those, those are, those are my, my big rocks. I mean, I think Eric and Mike, it was, it was interesting getting that level of support from um, people that you didn't know. And, you know, uh, and again, I, I'd probably be remiss to not say, you know, Craig and Will, who are my partners at Industry Weapon, same thing. I mean, they were, they were willing to take their bank accounts down to zero based on an idea and, and a direction I wanted to go. And, and you know, we built, we built that business together with that trust. And so uh, it's been, uh, I'd say, Industry Weapon for, really got me a lot of, lot of people I, I, to this day, still look up to and am really appreciative of. I think you're so fortunate, right? Um, super, oh, yeah. super fortunate because um, often, one, partnerships don't work, right? They typically don't work out. You have to be a special human, I feel like, right, to be able to handle that um, partnership. It's no different than a marriage, quite frankly. It's it's even, yeah. to me, it's almost as, it's just, it's almost more intense sometimes, right, than a marriage because um, your livelihood and everything is attached to them. Um, right. So not that you're, you understand what I mean. And then, you know, like just having those people that you can constantly call, um, it, it can, because entrepreneurship can be isolating. It can be because you don't think like everybody else thinks. Um, we typically have really crazy ideas. I'm, I'm in the mid middle of one now where I'm having this crazy idea. We can talk about that. Um, later but um so what do you think is the i guess the number one um learn lesson learned from growing and scaling and exiting two companies over 27 years um you know i i would say um staying staying grateful um and and you know i i think understanding that there's um there's usually a reason why sometimes people act in, in a way that uh, uh, doesn't necessarily agree with uh, your way of thinking. I think staying kind of open and collaborative is is the thing that I learned over time is is really what helped us grow our business. But at the same time, um, don't be a me too person, right? There, you know, we were 
very, very different in our uh, in our approach to, to all of our businesses. And we definitely weren't afraid to kind of show um, our uniqueness and, and, and not be apologetic for it. And um, I think that's one of the things I, I'm most proud of in, in all of the, the businesses that I've had is we, we had that kind of non-apologetic approach to things. And um, we, at least for me, I was doing stuff that I wanted to do. There was a very short period of time when, when I wasn't, and man, was I miserable, right? Not, not being able to build and create um, really, really was, was, was a dark time for me. And so staying grateful to the people who allow me to continue to do that and, and kind of embrace my uni uniqueness, even though sometimes it probably was really annoying and abrasive. Um, and, you know, just having good people in your corner that you can rely, you can rely on. I mean, that, that's that's so core. I mean, I even look at, you know, um, my family life. I mean, they gave me a real you know, real uh, wide area to work within and never complained about, you know, being on the road as much as I had to be on the road. And really, it was always encouraging, right? Like, hey, if we want to, we want to live a better lifestyle, you know, someone's going to have to grind it out. And, and you know, they, they made certain that they took care of the things at home. So, you know, I could do the stuff that I needed to do um, outside of the home. And that, that was huge. Again, super fortunate, right? Yeah. Because <laughs> um, those are things that are not common in the story of entrepreneurship, um, consistency in your family structure and it being solid, not always the case, right? So anyway, long, long story short, we could go into long details about those things. But um, at the end of the day, you're just, I mean, I love that you, you're rec you recognize all of the different components because some people get a little, as they say, haughty, right? Because they've arrived, um, but you're so approachable. And so I can appreciate that as a person who tries to also remain pretty approachable, even though I had to work on that too. We all have things we had to work on, right? Absolutely. But <laughs> I had to work on that, but yeah, I mean, to have that approach. So let's talk about what it is that is your passion project. What are you passionately pursuing these days you've sold two businesses you're kind of had you're still young so what are you uh, passionately pursuing well right now it's a it's a project called uh, plan grind deliver and it, it is uh you know 100 something i am just absolutely in love with uh it is it is really the 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 uh, process that i had in place for um for about 14 years with industry weapon and then um, the ability to look back and say, what would I have changed? How would I have uh, either seen a little better of an exit or, or at least uh, condensed the timeline? And so we actually put that into a, a very, very simple six-step process um, that uh, we're launching in Q1 of, of 2021. I've actually partnered with the CTO uh, that was a partner in my, my business at Industry Weapon. And Right now, we're doing it manually for for companies, and um, it's it's just been really really rewarding, right? So it's it's really kind of simplifying some of the things that I found over the years just really didn't need to be addressed if I had these other things in place. And uh, you know, I think it, one of my uh, uh, best best man at my wedding and uh, still best friend to this day, you know, said to me, you know, you're a builder, like. I knew 
I knew you were getting to the place where you're going to sell your business because you you just got to the point where you weren't building as much as you were built you you were you know used to or loved to build. And the nice thing about Plan Grind Deliver is everybody that I I work with now I get to help see them build their reality, and so I get to build with them, and then um, you know watch them to go to that next level. And it's it's a software platform, right? So. You know, uh, we still need the the support of of business consultants and and all the folks that you you need to do it. But uh, I get to blend those two loves: building businesses with SaaS, and uh, you know, so that's that's what I'm doing, and that's what I'm really wound up about. That's fantastic. I would love to learn more about and where can people learn more about Plan Grind Deliver. So, you know, I'm a dot-com guy, right? So plangrinddeliver.com. Like if you go there, you'll, you'll get a good taste. Uh, people can kind of sign up for um, some pre-release information that we'll be, we'll be putting out there. We're um, isolating who it is that we're, we're targeting for the, the program, but, um, you know, happy to share it with anybody who's interested. Thank you so much for joining the podcast today. I really appreciate it. I thoroughly enjoyed our conversation and hope we can do it again sometime. Oh, I would love it. It'd be awesome. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening. Join us weekly for high impact episodes to help you grow, scale, and innovate your company. Find us online at nelsonlegacyenterprises.com.